I wasn't even recording. That was pretty stupid. <laughs> School is in session with Basketball U. Welcome to your study time for the world of college hoops. Now, here are your professors, Tyler Rocky and Shane Orley on ESPN 1000. We got a final four upon us now. It's basketball. You, Tyler Rocky, and Shane Norling. We're with you every single week throughout the NCAA tournament. And we've got our final show, by the way, coming up this weekend set on Sunday from 9 mm-hmm. to 11 a.m. So different time. We're usually on, Shay, from 11 to 1. Instead, this week, because we've got some White Sox baseball later on that day, and we, we want the full two hours to sort of flesh out all of our Final Four recap and National championship, championship game yeah. preview. So we will be on from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So a little programming note for everyone out there listening that's enjoyed this show throughout the NCAA tournament. We look forward to talking with you then. So we've got ourselves a Final Four that people are raging against, Shay. Yeah, nobody wants to watch this. Nobody wants to watch. Uh, the ratings are going to be awful. Who who cares, all right? I'm going to watch, all right? I'm going to say this, all right? So we've got the collection of UConn, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami. Everyone always gets up in a hoot about ratings, right? I do not care. Do, could not care less about television ratings. As long as they're good enough to not boot the program off the air, a program that I enjoy... I don't care what the ratings are. Something you learn when you work in this business, too, is that ratings and revenue are two different things. Mm-hmm. The network also doesn't care about the ratings if they can sell the advertising. Yes. does not matter. Yep. So that's, yeah, I don't care. And, of course, I'm going to watch the Final Four. It's the Final Four. I get it. People don't want to watch it. You don't know anybody who's on these teams. That's probably true. Nobody knows who the fuck's on San Diego State. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah. We know. We do this show. But like, no, people who don't watch college basketball, you just tune in for March. You don't know who's on FAU. You don't know who's on San Diego State. And you might not anyway because the transfer portal overhauls these teams every season. Like, nobody's following Micah Parrish from OU to San Diego State, Oakland University in, in mm-hmm. Detroit. Nobody's doing that. So, you know. I get it if the if the layman doesn't want to watch, but basketball fans, college basketball fans will. And I've talked to you about it. My biggest thing is, like, I don't care if there's a brand. It doesn't matter to me. I care if there's a great team. And I think that there is in UConn. And greatness draws me to an event. So I'm going to watch regardless. Honestly, like... I look at a few marquee events a year where I say, if you don't watch this, you lose your sports fan card. And I feel like the Final Four is one of them. Like, if you don't watch the Final Four, if you don't watch the Super Bowl, I mean, if you don't watch the Super Bowl, you may lose just your human card. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, like, everyone watches the Super Bowl. Uh, but it's Super Bowl, Final Four. I would lump uh, the NBA Finals in there. If you miss... Uh, the World Series. I don't say you have to watch every single game of the NBA. Well, finals. okay, here now that we're going down this road, I don't watch the Stanley Cup. I don't either. Neither do I. So why doesn't that lose the sports fan card? Like, if a, a person, what? Here's what you got to do: you have to watch one of the Stanley Cup or the NBA Finals. You can't yes, miss both. Okay, yeah, I, I you agree. either are yes. a hockey mm-hmm. fan or a basketball yeah. fan. You have to watch. Sometimes one Sometimes it's other. tough to find the the double overlap between those two yeah. fan bases because they are taking place simultaneously. But like. The final four is this big event. Like if you're you're not missing the first weekend of March Madness and then tuning out of the final four, you want to see the resolution. That's like watching the the first 
three episodes of a great television series and then just tuning out for the last two. Well, listen, I wish I could do that with Game of Thrones in hindsight. So I, it, occasionally they're like, I, again, I get it. So is this the last season of Game of Thrones? Is that what you're calling this final four? No, because I think it's kind of cool. I like this final four. I don't hate it. But I, I'm just saying for the layman, and I don't think there's many of them. I think it's a vocal minority that's mm. saying this final four sucks and they're not going to watch it, Danny Zetterman. And, like, I, that's not me. I'm going to watch and I'm probably going to enjoy. I will tell you there was one that I, I checked out on. I watched baseball over Virginia-Texas Tech national championship you watched- game. That was one of the greatest national champions. Is, the, is that the only overtime game I believe we've had in yep. a national I championship? I was so final? convinced that those two teams that played dog shit styles of basketball were going to play a clunker of a game that would not be interesting. And I was butthurt that Texas Tech knocked out Michigan State in the mm-hmm. Final Four game. Yeah. So I oh, just, so this was a protest. I didn't tune in. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say you opted for baseball. I think you more protested because your team was knocked out. Like if Michigan State's in there, you're definitely watching. Or if or if Texas Tech had knocked out, who did Michigan State play in the Elite Eight that year? Um, was it was Duke? Duke. Yeah, yeah was Duke. that was when they uh, Kenny Goins eliminated Zion. Right. And- yeah. Um, but if if Texas Tech had beat Duke, I think you would have watched. Yeah, because I would have not made the Elite Eight or right. not made the Final Four. There wouldn't be so much pain going into it. But it was also I. So here you go. This is what I paid for. Assuming was mm-hmm. these two teams that but play you're, slow pace. You're online. You are uncontrollably online. How did you not see there was an epic game happening? Oh, on, I on knew. I, and eventually, I did turn it into a protest to not watch. <laughs> but but no, the point you're I'm making is I assumed that this game would be terrible mm-hmm. because it's too. And the first half was slow yeah. paced and mm-hmm. kind of clunky. Yeah. And I was like. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm missing nothing. Um, but I assumed it was two teams that played very slow that were, like, grind-out physical defense, and I figured this is going to be an offensive watch. Like, not offensive, but offensive mm-hmm. to me as a fan of offensive basketball. I'm not interested. I don't want to see that. So I checked out, and I missed one of the all-time national title games mm-hmm. because I assumed it would be dog shit. So if you're out there assuming this Final Four is going to suck, Maybe change your mind a little bit. Yeah. It might be pretty good. You know, the some of these, we as of late, we have had some all-time finishes in national championship games. Like, you look at that 2019 game. That was awesome. The 20, what was that, the 2016 game with the Chris Jenkins shot. Yeah. That well, was probably maybe the best. Yes, the championship best game. championship game ever. Um, you've also got, I thought last year's was fantastic where UNC is running Kansas out of the gym in the first half, but here come the Jayhawks in the second half. And it was a phenomenal finish. UNC with a chance to win it at the end and ultimately does not go that way. But there was, there's just been so much. And in this tournament, it's been extra, extra crazy, maybe a a little too far over the line for some people. I, I, and I, I would say this, even though I like this collection of final four teams, I do wish that because of the way that this is such a cruel way to determine a champion and obviously not the most perfect way of crowning a champion. But I d- All right, Ben Volan, calm but, down. But no, but like I I'd still love it. Like Ben Volan's a he doesn't love it. So but it's the same thing like this happened with baseball in last last year's playoffs when the Dodgers but, were this all-time team and they got eliminated early. It's the nature of the beast, and it is. It's why I love playoff baseball because it is such a crapshoot. But if it's a, I think it's a little different when it's a series. 
when it's a series versus one game, you have an off night. Maybe you sleep on the wrong side of the bed yeah, the night before. Baseball's the one. I was reading, I think, because of the way that last playoffs went with the Dodgers being a historic team and going out, to reach the level of parity that the NBA has in a seven-game series, baseball would have to play something like a 72-game series because it's such a huge sample size sport. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right that there's a little difference with basketball because you could play best of three in college mm-hmm. and probably get Which a Which I would result. not want, by the way. But no, then you lose some of the thrill of this. Yes. And let's face it, people hate college football because it's all chalk. Mm-hmm. If you did best of three series in college basketball, it's going to be all chalk because like fairly dickinson was going to beat purdue one time that mm-hmm. night that's it there, yep. there's no other situation where they beat purdue if that's a three-game series purdue is winning purdue the next two the next two and, and probably, probably the next seven after that and it wouldn't be close in all likelihood either all right so let's break down the matchups that we've got here so We've got UConn and Miami. I think that's the one everyone's looking forward to. On That's the nightcap on Saturday. And then you've got San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Let's start with UConn and Miami. And we've already got a little bit of drama, Shay, because if you go to KenPom.com right now, I don't know if you've seen this already. I saw this on your Twitter this morning. Does Ken Palm have the script? Because right now, as we sit here, at a, we're recording this at 11 a.m. on Friday, the what happens during the tournament is all the teams that are remaining in the tournament are highlighted in red during the during the NCAA tournament. So theoretically, there should be four teams still highlighted on Ken Palm. Ken Palm right now is only showing three, and the UConn Huskies, the number one team in the country according to Mr. Pomeroy, are not among those teams that are highlighted right now. So I'm wondering, does Ken Palm have the script because he would be going against his own metrics here? Because his metrics actually have UConn winning this game by seven points. I think what's really surprising to me is not only this happened, it's not been fixed. And it's been a while that it's been this way. And it's gotten national attention, too. Is UConn a little more white here than the other uh, white ones? Because it shades from like darker blue to off blue. And it Mm -hmm. feels like UConn is like a bright white. Maybe he has the script that they're the champion. They're the champion. Oh, oh, maybe. Um, I'm trying to. Okay, what happens if I go back to 2022 and try to find the champion? No, I think maybe that first spot might just be a little wider. Like I'm looking at the year before, Kansas is, is number three at the end of the year, but Gonzaga is the number one, and they look like theirs is a little bit wider. Um, I th- I would say the same thing happened in 2021. So, mm, you might be onto something here. Maybe it's just a, yeah. the number one team in the country is a little bit whiter. Well, we see also on the Kemp when you go to UConn's page, it does say Miami, Florida projected win 80 to 73. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right, but let's get into the actual game here. We've got Miami, we've got UConn. This is I, I kind of wish this was the championship game as opposed to the Final Four. To you, does this is feel it- like? Yes, I was going to say, does this feel like the the winner of this game ends up winning the championship? Yeah, but we also said that about Kansas State, Michigan State, feeling like the winner of that game was going to win the region, and that didn't turn out to be true. Close, but it, that didn't turn out to be true. I think a lot of times we say that, and then you find out that, like, Kansas City and Buffalo in the NFL, oh, that felt like the Super Bowl, and then neither team makes it. Um so, yeah, I would say UConn-Miami feels to me like the title. But the beauty of this tournament is, like, if FAU beats San Diego State and gets to the national championship game, I don't think that they can beat UConn. I don't think that they can beat Miami. But 
Why not? Why You've not? made it to the national title. It's like when Duke played uh, Butler, and nobody gave Butler a chance. But if Gordon Hayward's three goes in, yeah, Duke loses. And right. so I, I, yeah, it does. These are the two best teams remaining to me. Um, maybe San Diego State slightly edges Miami just because they play such a high level defense, right. but. It's, they have an elite. Well, but you could also say like Miami's got an elite trade on the other side of offense, and like Miami's offense may be better than San Diego State's defense, at least what from what we've seen in the tournament so far. Here's what I would say, since you're asking me to have an opinion: when you look at this Final Four, the only NBA talent, the only draft talent, is Jordan Hawkins and UConn. That's really it. Here's the one counter I would have to that. Miami seems like it has a bunch of guys where we're going to look back in three, four, maybe five years and say, like, they're going to be solid NBA role players. And we're going to look back and say, oh, yeah, that guy, he was on that Miami Final Four team or he was on that Miami team that went to the championship or he's, he was on that Miami team that won the championship. I feel like Miami's got a couple of those guys like Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller. Um, I'm forgetting. um Who's the other one I'm forgetting here? Oh, Wuga Poplar is the other one. Like, they've got a couple of those guys who I look at and I'm thinking, you know, down the road we're going to look at them and as guys who really developed in the NBA because they kind of fit the NBA mold, the body type that they're looking for, the length. Like, Jordan Miller's just got a smoothness to his game that I think is going to translate at the next level. Wuga Poplar has the, the athleticism and I think the three-point shot that can make it at the next level. And Isaiah Wong just seems like one of those grinders who could maybe turn into, like, a Javon Carter type. And just you're, we're going to look back on some of these guys and say, wow, like, they're just – they gritted their way through college or like a Desmond Bain type. We're going to be looking at them as those type of guys in the NBA. I see where that could happen, but my flip side of that is just when I'm looking at this tournament and who these teams are today, there's no team that's more talented or even really as close to as talented as UConn that's left in this final four. So when you ask like, is UConn Miami, the national title de facto, if UConn wins, yeah. If Miami wins, I feel like anything could happen. If UConn wins, I, I just, dude, they're a freight train. They've been sledgehammering these teams. It's not like they're winning by a little. And it's also not like they're getting some easy path. Like San Diego State, FAU got kind of beneficial paths to yeah, get here. No doubt. UConn busted Gonzaga's ass. Yes, That's a different deal. Like, when you're taking on the best teams and punking them, yeah, it, it, that's where I'm like, looking at this Final Four, and maybe this goes again to it not being the best Final Four we've ever seen, because if it is just the chalk of UConn, whether they have a four next to their name or not, they should have been, one, they were one of the top yeah. four teams in the country when the seeding came out. If they just blast two teams to the end, I'll like it because I appreciate greatness, mm-hmm. but is that entertaining to you? You'll see people tune out, like, people tuned out of that Baylor-Gonzaga game a couple of years ago because it was just a, a disaster of a game. And, and as a result, like, people don't want to watch the blowout, so they'll check out. The ratings will reflect that, all that stuff. But I will say this, like, you bring up how UConn's playing right now, and, and that kind of gets to something that I forgot to bring up sort of when we were talking about the Final Four at large, but, like, you look at these teams that are in the Final Four right now, UConn is playing like a one seed. They have been playing like a one seed since the tournament started, right? So I think we can say like UConn is a quote-unquote one seed with a four next to their name right now. Miami, 
I think there's been some really weird stuff. I saw with the net, um, there were, I think, 24 games in the ACC this year where a team that was rated in the net, higher in the net, won and then lost value in the net after winning games. You should not be demoted for winning games. It's stupid. I don't get how that happens. Well, it's the, this is the problem, too, with the net, and this is also kind of an issue with where college basketball's at. The losses mean so much more than the wins. Mm-hmm. Like one quad four loss where you played a mid-major that had a nice night and shot the ball crazy in your gym and you just lost a game means more against you than three quad one wins. And that, to me, doesn't make sense. Right, Like, a conference win should not be a demotion under any sort of circumstances. Even if you're playing DePaul yeah, or Louisville or something of that nature. Yeah, you get Georgetown should, and you get the free space and right. it makes you look worse. It, a conference win should not be a demotion. And Miami was unfortunately one of the victims of that because they played in a conference where that happened so frequently. Yet here the ACC is representing in the final four once again. So you've got that Miami, their offense plays like a one seed offense. Their defense plays like a 12 seed defense. But this is a team that probably should have been what a I wouldn't bump them up tremendously, um, but maybe they should have been a four. Maybe that's the way we should think about this conversation more so than uh, do you have a problem with the lack of brands or with the low seeds? Because to flip to the other side of the bracket and talk about uh, FAU and San Diego State for a moment, this came out right after Florida Atlantic made the Final Four. They ranked higher in net and Ken Palm before the tournament started Mm -hmm. than Miami, Virginia, Kentucky, TCU, Indiana, Michigan State, Northwestern, Missouri, and yet they were seated as a nine, mm-hmm. probably because they came from Conference USA and Condoleezza Rice didn't enjoy the conference that they played in, no. so she popped them down to a nine. Mm-hmm. The, the FAU, realistically, could I have offered they could have been a five seed yes. and everybody would have 1, been okay with it? And if they're a five and they're in the final four right now, maybe you could offer they're a four. Look at the teams they're higher than here. TCU, Indiana, Kentucky, Virginia. With this is like when you look at Ken Palm and when you look at the net, it takes strength of schedule into account. So if you're playing at that level and you are higher than these teams, even though they play in these power conferences, if you're playing at that level, you should be ahead of them. Because these things factor in strength of schedule. So, yeah, this, I think when you look at this Final Four and you just say there's no brands and it's these low seeds and it's not the best no basketball. No brands I'll give you. Like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's not the best basketball we could be getting because I think you're doing a disservice to the teams that got there. Yeah. San Diego State it beat Alabama now. Like, it's yeah. not – they weren't just getting some lucky path. Uh, FAU, to a degree, they sort of did. I would Like, you got yeah. a, a 12, a 13, then you got a 1. Credit where credit's due, you tip your hat, and then you get a 6 in the Elite 8, though. But although Creighton's another one of those teams. Seeded 6th, but we're playing, heading into the tournament, more like a 4 or a 3 seed, I would say. The thing that boggles my mind is the more we talk about this, the more you realize when we have these teams like Creighton, that was a 6, and we all kind of thought, don't get confused by that loss column number. It's a good team. Right. Like when you have UConn, that's a four. And we, we have said they should never have been a four. It's ridiculous. 
we all looked at this tournament at the start and go, this is as wide open as it's ever been. And now we get to the final four and we're all proven right. And it's a problem. I don't get it. By the way, you shot yourself in the foot too with your wager in the office with Stewart. But again, I texted you on Selection Sunday and I said, I'm screwed. UConn is a four is my death sentence. And that's what's going to end up happening. And it wouldn't have mattered because the whole final four was outside of the top Mm -hmm. three seeds. By the way, I was walking by his desk earlier this week, mm-hmm. and he popped his earbuds out. He was in a meeting, paused his meeting, popped his earbuds out, said hello to me, asked me how I was doing, uh, and I said, good. Uh, and then I, I, I said, all right, enjoy the rest of your day. He said, I will. I'm working up an appetite. And he popped his <laughs> – I feel like that's poor form. Oh, no, that's fantastic. That's, it's a little, a little braggadocious. In fairness, like – you you were a little chesty with your uh, with you thinking you had a free free lunch coming your way. You thought I had a I free lunch. I did too. You know what the problem is too is I started out one through four and then I amended it to be nice to him one because through three. of an email that he sent you though. Yep. Like and this is good guy what, Shay. I did shoot myself in the foot by yeah. being a good person. Yeah, you really did. All right, but let's get back into this UConn Miami matchup here. You've got a team that's all around dominant in UConn. Great on offense, great on defense. And then on the other side, you've got a team like Miami who is elite on offense, bad on defense. Like, let's call it what it is. They're bad on defense. And I think at the end of that Texas game with that comeback, what we saw was them use their athleticism to create some turnovers. They also can whip out the Matador defense at times as well. And it's Ole all the way to the basket. Here's what concerns me about this matchup is that we saw when Norchad O'Meara for Miami got in foul trouble against Texas. That's when Texas built their lead up, when they had to take O'Meara off the floor. And I thought that with this Miami team going up against a Dylan DeSouza-less Texas, I thought Miami was going to crush him on the boards. But because of the fact that O'Meara got in this foul trouble early on, Texas kind of held their own on the rebounding battle and actually – kind of dominated on the rebounding front, got a lot of offensive boards in that game, and nearly was the reason why they would have been in the Final Four right now and not Miami. Yeah, and it felt like like Texas blowing the 10-point lead late. It was kind of an odd one because it's not one where I look back and I'm like, they just choked. It's just Miami used their speed to... Jim Laranega is a great coach. Oh, and yes. that's one thing we don't credit enough is... Laranega figured out the adjustment and then pressed the, his foot to the gas yes. and making sure that Miami was taking care of business and doing what they needed to do to beat Texas. My thing with this is going forward, I don't know if he's going to be able to exploit that so much against UConn because UConn's so much better at both things. And they're a better team than Texas. And I think UConn is fully healthy. Like if Dylan DeSue plays for Texas, do you think Miami's still standing? You know, I, I think they might be because, like, what do, what did Texas do that Dylan DeSue would have added to? Like, they, they rebounded the basketball at, at a very high level, and that's one of the big things that DeSue would have brought to the table here. So I don't think I think they still all... might have they might have rebounded a little bit better. They, they obviously get more minutes from their starter. I just I struggle to th- wonder if stamina had anything to do with the end of that game where Miami had the speed and Texas runs out of gas a little bit towards the end um but again it going to a healthy UConn team one of the best teams right now the best team in the country are you going to be able to turn the trick a second time because they 
if things don't go exactly right for Miami down the stretch, they don't beat Texas. And things went right, and they pressed their advantage, and it worked. I don't know that you can wait until you're down 10 to press your advantage against UConn. No, I don't think you can. And I think the other thing that sort of worries me about Miami is the fact that, all right, now you got two big guys that can really get to it on the boards with UConn, with Adama Sonogo and then yeah. Donovan Kling. And so you got 6'9 Sonogo who plays like he's 7 foot. And then you've got the 7'2, I believe, Donovan Klingon on the other side as his backup. Like, it honestly reminds me a, a little bit of what Purdue had last year with Travion Williams and Zach Eady. And people may be laughing and saying, oh, like, they, but Purdue bowed out early last year. Yeah, they did bow out early, but they had a formula for success. And I think that they were sort of a, just a letdown last year. They thought they were just better than going up against St. Peter's. I don't think UConn looks at this as, oh, we are better than Miami. Like, we are, we can just show up and win this game. I don't think anyone can just show up and beat Miami. And I think this UConn team certainly knows that. I don't think Dan Hurley's going to let that team get that sort of mentality in their heads either. All right, so yes or no, does UConn win by 20 again? No. Be fascinating to see if they did, wouldn't I, it? I could see double digits, for sure. I feel like it's a 10-point game. I really, like, Miami's been... five and a half. Miami's been such a nice run. I just feel like UConn is so many points better than them. Mm-hmm. And like, if they get Norchad O'Meara in foul trouble, like, they can do that. But Miami getting one of the bigs for UConn in foul trouble doesn't really mean anything because you just put the other one in. Yeah, and, and he, he may even... Klingon, like, may be better long-term. And UConn just has so many other places that they can go with Jordan Hawkins and Tristan Newton. It's They're so balanced mm-hmm. that I don't think foul trouble plays a huge part. Dan Hurley's done a great job coaching this team. They've been a freight train. It does worry me a little bit because I, we're starting to talk about them in the way that we talked about that undefeated Gonzaga team in the tournament where it's like, oh, they're just going to run over everybody. Yeah. And then they almost lost to UCLA. And then they did get blown out by Baylor. So maybe UConn puts up a clunker against Miami. I just I don't think that the teams that Gonzaga had to play there, like UCLA, I don't think that team's in this tournament. I don't think Miami's capable of putting up that performance. So that's where I I look at it and I just go, it kind of feels like UConn's going to ship this and mm-hmm. we're going to watch these three games and we kind of already know the result, but I'll enjoy it anyway. So a couple stats here and trends that tell you a couple two two different things here. All right, UConn this season going up against a 70th or worse rated Ken Palm defense is 16-1. and one. They're averaging 83.2 points per game in those games, and two of them are tournament games that they've played in this year, including Gonzaga, the last game that they played to get to the Final Four. However, on the flip side, UConn is also 3-5 and five this year against top 30 shooting teams, according to Ken Palm as well. So what gives here? Like, to me, I lend itself. I lend it more towards the they'll dominate a bad defensive team as opposed to Miami can go in and shoot the lights out because of the fact that we're playing in a football stadium now, and we know these dome sightlines can sometimes mess with these college kids, right? So I'm wondering if that's going to play any sort of effect here on the. But and again, uh, one of the three wins against top thirty shooting teams was also against Gonzaga. Yes, mm-hmm. and this Miami team feels like Gonzaga light. They do, yeah. They're going to do a lot of. The, they'll test you with their speed on offense. They aren't going to guard you very well. Mm-hmm. 
a more athletic Gonzaga, I would say. Yeah, probably. But we saw what UConn did to Gonzaga. I, I don't see why they can't repeat the performance against Miami. Uh, and like you mentioned, better, what was 16 and 1 against top 70 defenses? Against, and my, outside the top 70. Miami, yep. yeah, outside the top 70. Miami rates 104. Mm-hmm. So 17 and 1. I'll put it in there. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm certainly leaning UConn. I'm just grappling with like, we've seen the late. Miami push in so many games where I could see, oh, UConn's up 15 uh, with like eight minutes to go and Miami makes it a game late and somehow weasels their way into like a four point loss. I was kind of hoping this would be like a, cause like I was hoping this would be like a seven and a half or a seven point spread. And then I would feel a lot more comfortable taking Miami. I don't know if I feel comfortable taking Miami at five and a half. I feel comfortable taking UConn. Yeah. I will say, like, at five and a half, I feel quite comfortable taking yeah. UConn. Maybe that's the play. All right, so we're locking it in? Yeah, we'll place in. Our, our UConns? All right, we'll, we'll place our UConns. Unity play. Yep. All right, so we're both in alignment that UConn will be representing in the national championship game. On the other side, Florida Atlantic taking on San Diego State. I, I, I want to start with this. What's the better story for you, Florida Atlantic or San Diego State in the Final Four? Florida Atlantic. I'll actually take the other side here. I'm going to say San Diego State because this was a team that was supposed to be a one seed in the 2020 wiped out COVID year tournament. And they never got the chance to realize what could have been their best season. And now they are getting that chance to realize it with Brian Dutcher as the head coach. So I actually will give a slight lean that it is the better story. Like FAU is, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from what FAU's story is, but FAU I don't feel like has had anything taken away from them. San Diego State was robbed in 2020. Yeah, but it's at the same time, I look at it like FAU as a gym that holds less than 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. And they've made the tournament, what, once? And yeah. now they're winning 35 this, this is their games. their first run of winning game. They've never won a tournament game prior to this year. Now they, they storm through Conference uh, USA after being picked to finish fifth preseason. They win 35 games on the season. They run through to the Final Four, beat a Kansas State team. I don't think anybody, well, a lot of people were picking them to beat them, but nobody, I don't know, that really believed FAU was going to do this. And then here you are with Dusty May. You're in the Final Four with this team that started with a kid you recruited four years ago and it feels like the payoff of this entire journey i i always i maybe i'm just too biased towards the true cinderella like Mm -hmm. san diego state i don't feel like is a cinderella story it's a nice story Mm -hmm. but they play in the mountain west like this is a conference usa team with a gym that could hold my high school and they're going to the final four they're both great stories i did read this though um this was in the athletic earlier today how both of these teams are probably going to get robbed of some of their... Because you know how you get money for each tournament win? Yeah. But you don't personally get the money as a school. The conference gets it for yeah. each tournament win that they pick up. So it's like, I think, $2 million a win. What is, what is Mountain West and Conference USA doing some revenue sharing? Well, no. When you leave the conference, which I believe FAU is leaving for the AAC very shortly, when you leave the conference, you get shut out of the money. The, the money stays in the conference. So FAU, when they ultimately leave for the AAC, they are the, water, the faucet shuts off for them. 
from their tournament run where they generated all this revenue. I believe the same thing happened with Loyola, too, because it's paid out over the course of six years. In July 2023, FAU will move to the AAC. And, yeah, they aren't going to. And San Diego State probably going to move to the Pac-12 sooner rather than later, right? Like, with UCLA with, yeah. and USC yep. moving, we'll probably see San Diego State moving to the Pac-12. And as a result, these teams probably aren't going to get to see a good amount of the revenue share that comes down to the conference because it's paid out in payments over the course of six years. And as a result, they're kind of going to be SOL. They're, they're, they were too good almost. That I didn't read that, but that is fascinating that the two of them make this run and then don't see the money. And if you're SDSU, hey, how about another Mountain West team win a game if you want the money yeah. so badly? Send it our way. Thanks a lot, Boise State. Utah State. Like, yeah, no, it, it sucks for, for these schools. And you could say, oh, well, it'll be plenty lucrative when they move to these other conference. Okay, fine. It might. But, Will it? I mean, FAU's got to win games did, in the AAC. That's you not did a, the work. Like, you did the work. The And all the other teams that are left there are going to be the ones that, that benefit off of you doing the work. Uh, all right, so let's get to the game. What, what I kind of want to plant my flag on FAU. I'm right there with you. I, I do think FAU can come out of this game. I've seen the spread kind of fluctuate. I got in on a bad price. I got in on one and a half because I thought it was actually going to move to one or even a pick em. Um, But it is drawn all the way back to two and a half. And I do think that this FAU team, I, here's what it comes down to, all right? Getting paint. To- oh, we have a little update here. UConn has been highlighted again on Ken Palm. There we go. A little, a little breaking news here. For that you, is, there uh, we go. That's big. Podcast. So UConn has been highlighted again. So people who are rushing to Ken Palm when they heard the earlier portion of this show are probably like, what the hell? Like, what, what happened? Well, uh, he fixed it. All right. So uh, listen, continue to listen here. Um, but Florida Atlantic, they've got guards that I think can get downhill really well, get into the paint. And that is when Creighton had their most success against San Diego State. Early in that game, they were getting in the paint. They were getting inside the three-point arc. They were getting lobs inside to Kalkbrenner. That is when they had their most success. And I think Florida Atlantic has that recipe with the guards to get downhill, get inside, and make things happen with Vlad Golden, who is a much sturdier body. I don't think he's a better player than Ryan Kalkbrenner, but he's a sturdier body than what Kalkbrenner is, and I think that's going to pay off for them. Yeah, I like the presence of Vlad Golden. I I think FAU's not going to get outclassed on the boards here. It's going to at least be a contest, which is huge to me for FAU. And the other thing, when you look at uh, Florida Atlantic's defense, they don't let you move the ball. You don't get uh, shots off of assists if you're Florida Atlantic. I really think San Diego State's going to struggle offensively here. They're not a great offensive team to begin with, and Florida Atlantic can kind of choke them out and make them play a little bit of ISO. Now, they're not super foreign to that, but I really think that's where FAU can defensively flex their muscles a little bit. And then, like you mentioned, they live and die by the three, but they have the ability to get guards inside, drive, get fouls, get to the line. They make their free throws. They're a good shooting team. I really like what FAU brings here. And obviously, we both liked Creighton against SDSU, so what do we know? But I just, to me, this feels like a spot where FAU, yeah, it looks like an upset on paper, but I don't know that I feel like this is some huge upset. No. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by either team winning. Like, if San Diego State ends up in this championship game, I don't think you or I would be very shocked here. But I do think that... 
this will probably be, and it's the first game, this will be the ugly game of the Final Four. Usually we get an ugly first game, right? Yeah. It's a, well, it's and they got to get used out. to the sight lines. And yeah. the, the first halves here, by tip, the first half unders here might be okay because college kids learning to shoot in a football stadium. Never it can fun. be tough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially when, all right, all of a sudden you step on the floor and you look around and the magnitude of the moment maybe catches up with you a little bit. Well, might be fewer ticket sales than usual this time around. But yeah. is where does UConn FAU if that does end up being the national title in like the annals of college football mm-hmm. history? College basketball. The college basketball. Boy, am I Your out of it. Football brains on. I'm dealing. I'm working. On. I'm working through a sinus infection. Okay. And so my I'm like. Out of it. But anyway, uh, where does UConn and FAU in the annals of college basketball history, where does that rank? In terms of worst matchups? And, like, not even worse, just weird. looking back and going, what the hell happened there? I think, like... Is FAU going to make it back here? That's the big no, question. because Dusty May, not next year, but the year after, is going to take a job somewhere. And FAU is going to go to the AAC and just be relegated to... They'll be Loyola in the A-10. Loyola's not going to compete in the A-10. They will struggle mightily to, Mm -hmm. at least early on. They'll be Loyola in the A-10. And and they may never get back either because of the fact that uh, unless they get a major facilities upgrade, which they could, and this run could help them out a little bit with. um, But if all the money goes to their old conference. Well, here's, here's the other thing, too, is when they do go to the AAC, I believe they'll still get money. So they'll get the money from... Uh, Houston's runs that they've been on. So that right. like they'll still get some money. They'll be grandfathered in some money here. And just like the television contracts will be bigger, all that stuff. So there is still, they'll still be making some, some good coin off of all this, but it's just not what they earned necessarily. It's what other schools have earned. So yes, they, they, they will still get paid, but it will just be differently. I guess, um, but the what an odd landscape like, college sports is. It really is, um, but just the when you look at like where they go back to, like they're going to need a facilities overhaul. And I'll, I'll give Loyola credit with this; they did that. Loyola's facilities are beautiful, yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, it, like they are probably the, and I haven't been to a lot of mid-major schools, but top of the, I'd imagine if you went across the nation top of the ranks in terms of mid-majors and could go toe-to-toe with some power conferences. Like, Loyola's facilities are better than DePaul's, I would say. I would say Wintrust is better than Gentilly Arena, but um, I would also say that um, I would also say that the practice facilities, which you're spending more of your time in, and yeah. I think is a bigger draw for some of these recruits, the practice facilities... Well, workout rooms, too. Workout like, all rooms of that. At Loyola... Blows DePaul out of the water. Yeah. So, FAU, I just, the point is, FAU is not going to be like Butler, where they're going to be here again next year, and right. then we'll look back and go, I guess that wasn't so random. This is. They could make a run next year, I think. Because if like you're bringing, Wichita State went to the Final Four and then the Sweet right. 16, and if, now they're gone. If you're bringing the coach back and you're bringing back a lot of the players as well, like you could make, I, I'm not saying they're going to the Final Four next year, but. They won't be a nine seed when the tournament con- committee gets together, and let's say they win twenty nine games next year instead of thirty five. 
Let's say they have like a 29 win. Well, they'll be in the AAC next year, so good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, well, that, is, that is true as well. So I guess maybe not. <laughs> we may never see them again. We may but never this, see, but, this but team, that's where I'm asking, how random is this going to be if FAU makes it? Because we may never see this team again. Yeah. I, I would say they'll probably finish like second or third next year in the AAC. Like, let's not forget, they did beat an AAC team in their first tournament win in Memphis. Yeah. So they could, I think, they compete. shouldn't have. They but shouldn't they did. have, but they did. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to get one more year of FAU being in the tournament. And then after that, this could be a program that really goes downhill. So yeah, we probably will never see them on this level. They maybe get to the sweet 16 next year, but we're never going to see FAU on this level. At least I would guess in the next 10 years before we get out of here. Does anybody beat UConn? No. I yeah, don't I don't think so. think so. I and we'll we could talk about that more. Maybe just on uh, Sunday, but yeah. Maybe we'll just do the money lay the money line parlay. I can't speak today. The money line parlay will open up uh, a second leg and just Yukon today and then add Yukon on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And there we yeah. go. That may be the way to go. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Basketball U, the podcast edition Final Four preview. We will be back with you on Sunday. Remember, special time at 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sunday morning here on ESPN 1000. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday.